What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show, a very special edition. It is January 24th, 2018. What a beautiful day it is down south here at SEC Country. We have two very special guests on the show today. First, we're going to be joined by Mr. Ryan Lemon of Kentucky Sports Radio. And then after him, we will be joined by Kyle Tucker, SEC football columnist and UK basketball beat writer at SEC Country. Real looking forward to these interviews, and I hope you all enjoy them. We are joined by Mr. Ryan Lemon of KSR. How are you doing, Mr. Ryan? Oh, it's a great honor to have you. Huge fan of yours in Kentucky Sports Radio, so it's a great honor to have you. It, 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 it's a fun show that we do, and it always tickles me when like guys like yourself, kind of a, a Kentucky fan that doesn't live in Kentucky, so this show kind of enables you to you know, be a part still of Big Blue Nation. We hear from people across the country, so, so it's always cool like, you, like yourself. You, you live in Memphis, but you're a Kentucky guy, so it's always kind of cool for us to know that we're... Yes, sir, for sure. I actually uh, listen to you guys, you know, mostly on the postgame show because I usually have class when you're uh, doing the radio show, but I usually listen to postgame show, especially after a big win like last night. Well, they needed it, didn't they? I mean, man, they hadn't, hadn't played well. They lost two straight. They needed a win where they not only played well, but, you know, Kevin Knox found his shot. You know, they, they, they have to have Kevin Knox playing well if they want to make a run and do something this year. Uh, you know, P.J. Washington, that, that's the guy we thought we were going to get, you know, all year long. He showed up again last night. So that, the, the whole night, I felt, was like something Big Blue Nation needed that shot in the arm. You know, and I completely agree with that. I was going to ask you, what do you think Kentucky's, like, biggest problem is? I mean, I, I know a lot of guys play for the back of the jerseys. And last night, we kind of saw a couple guys play for the front of the jersey. So kind of go into detail a little bit of what you think Kentucky's biggest problem has been so far in this season. You know, we, we've talked about a lot on, on KSR trying to figure out what it is, and I think it was, you know, all of Cal's elite teams, they all have the, the guy, you know, one guy, that, that one superstar guy that they could rely on and go to. And I think, you know, we kind of thought Kevin Knox could be the, that guy, but for whatever reason, he he, we show, he shows glimpses of it, and then he doesn't. Uh, that's hurt him. I think the fact that there's just no true... I think it's hurt him. You know, Nick Richards, I think, has been a disappointment this year. You know, Sasha Clay Jones playing more minutes than Richards is right now. So I think just a combination of those two things. Uh, no, they're so young. You know, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Cal has mentioned it like a thousand million times as a younger team in college basketball. I think all of it has just been a little slower for them for the light bulb to go on. Usually by March, that's when they're playing their best. And we just got to hope that that's going to happen again this year. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, I'm completely with you. And that kind of leads me into this next question. What do you, what guys do you think are going to come back next year, and what guys do you see going pro? Well, I think Kevin Knox and Hamadou Diallo are the two. They're, everybody projects them pretty much as first-round picks, not pretty much a lottery pick. you got to think those two guys are gone. Now, the way Shea Alexander was playing there for a while, I thought to myself, ooh, he may test the water. Because it's, it's really kind of a weak draft this year. There's like six or seven, like, elite guys. And then it's, it's it's not that strong of a draft, so I think a lot of teams would be drafted on potential. He's a guy that I could see maybe maybe kind of testing the waters. But outside of that, I think everybody else is coming back. I really do. I think I think when the season started, we could have maybe thought that Nick Richards was maybe going to try to test it and, and go because he's seven foot and he's gifted in, in different ways. But now we're seeing, man, he's got a long way to go. He's got a lot to learn yet. So if, if I was betting today... 
I would say Knox and Diallo for sure. And then Shea Gildas Alexander, I would say maybe 60-40, he's leaving to go pro also. And, you know, that kind of leads us into the next two questions. The first question being, what is more important for Kentucky fans, and as you personally, is it winning national championships or is it sending guys to the pros? I know what Cal Perry's stance is, but I know a lot of Kentucky fans are kind of torn, especially in this, uh, I think it's Cal Perry's ninth or eighth or ninth year where we've had one and dones. What is more important to the fan base, and what do you think that the approach should be? It's the one thing that Cal and the fans disagree on. Like you said, Cal's stance is it's more important for me to prepare these guys to become millionaires and play in the NBA. But from a fan perspective and from my perspective, the most important thing is to win championships. And I think that's the one thing fans have really kind of disagree with Cal over the years. Cal's stance is, look, we get these good players, get them ready for the NBA, we're going to win a championship along the way. Fans, I think, are like, okay, look, let's get our championship first, and then let's worry about trying to get them get set up in the NBA. So I, that, that's my stance. I'm a fan. I, I'm disappointed. We've only had one title since he's been here, but I think we're going to get more the longer he stays. I think every year we got we got to go into the season thinking, okay, this could be the year we finally get number nine. Yeah. And, you know, I think next year being, you know, have the guys, a couple of the guys come back could be our year. But that also leads into a question where, do you think Duke is a new Kentucky with recruiting? Since 2015, they've kind of kicked our butt a little bit on the recruiting trail. Yeah, they are right now. There's, there's no doubt about it. That right now, Coach K and Duke, they are number one when it comes to recruiting. I don't think you can deny that. It was Cal and Kentucky for years and years, but you're right. And I think you can kind of go and look and see it kind of happen when Calipari had that change in his staff. When Orlando, Orlando Antigua left, and then you brought in Slice, and then Slice left. That's when the recruiting started going south a little bit, and that's when Jeff Capel joined Duke's staff, and that's when they started, you know, peaking up a little bit. So, yeah, definitely Duke is the king of the hill right now. Now, Kentucky's not going to quit recruiting. They're not going to back off on recruiting. It may fall back to Kentucky's way, you know, in the next couple of years. All these elite guys that committed to Duke this year, Cal may get all the elite guys, you know, next year. That's just how it is between these two schools. Yeah, and you know, I completely agree with that. I mean, you got the two of the best coaches in college basketball right now, you know, with the exception of Roy Williams or whatever. And these guys, you know, as you know, and I'm a 21-year-old kid, we change our minds quicker than anybody. And we can't even decide if we're going to eat a Chick-fil-A or Arby's one day. So let alone where we're going to go spend a year or, year or four years, you know, play a university, of, uh, you know, at a university. So I definitely feel with, I, I kind of side with the recruits because like I said, it's, it's hard to make up your mind being so young and, you know, making a life decision like you have to do. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying, you know, these, these elite guys that just went to Duke, there's R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, uh, they, they, apparently they're like, you know, really good friends. They wanted to play together. And so I think they like, they wanted all to go together. Cameron Reddish, I think the three of them they all just kind of wanted to go to the same school. So once somebody picked Duke, they all just kind of leaned that way. Next year, it may be the exact opposite. Cal gets one of these elite guys. Next thing you know, they all want to come and play together. And, and we get them, right? I know fans are upset about it because Duke is getting the edge right now, and that perception is right now that Duke is better in recruiting in Kentucky. It's just that perception thing. Just be patient. Cal even said that. You know, hey, just because you wish. We're, we're going to be all right. As long as he's here, I have every every reason to believe we're going to be all right. 
You know, I completely agree with that. So we're going to change gears this, uh, this on this. We uh, we play West Virginia on Saturday. Big time matchup. The SEC plays the Big 12. What is your what is your kind of take on the West Virginia matchup, and how does Kentucky stack up against a very talented Mountaineer team? Scared to death, to be honest. This, this is one of the two games, I think, when I saw the schedule, when we got it before the season, like, okay, that, that's a loss. They just play that tough, physical brand of basketball that all of Cal's teams over the years have had trouble playing against, and this year probably more so than others. I mean, Tennessee beat us by playing that rough, tough basketball. South Carolina beat us by playing that way. We were lucky to beat Texas A&M because they played it that way. So three teams who have played us this style of basketball lately, we we lost two of the three and should have lost the third one. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that worries me. I, I really think West Virginia is going to just come out and just push us around and out, try to outmuscle us. And that's why it's important for P.J. Washington. He has to stay on the floor in this game. If they lose P.J. Washington in this game, if he gets in foul trouble, we could be in a world of hurt. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And, you know, another game that I kind of looked at on the schedule was Arkansas. That game at Arkansas, I think it's a Tuesday yeah. night game. That Arkansas plays dirty. They do. And, you know, Coach Anderson has his boys always ready to play the Cats, especially after last year's games where it was so rough and fights almost broke out. That is another one of those games later in the season where I'm just like, oh, man, you know, I think Kentucky's going to lose that game. Yeah, you're right. That, that's, there's that stretch where Kentucky plays at Florida, at A&M, at Arkansas. I'm thinking, oh, boy, you know, those could be three losses right there for sure. And I agree with you about Arkansas. Mike Anderson has kind of had Cal's number. You know, he plays that tough style of brand, like I said, that Cal teams just don't play very well in. I won't be shocked if they lose that one in Arkansas also. And with all that said, you know, even if they lose seven, eight games, maybe nine this year, I still feel like they could be a very dangerous, you know, five seed, six seed in the tournament. You know, if you're... If you're a three-seed or a two-seed in the tournament and you look over and you got Kentucky coming in your bracket in the second round, that might worry you a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And as you know, the, the committee's not going to do Kentucky any favors. They're likely to put Kentucky as an eight or nine seed, playing Duke in the second round and playing you know somebody really scrappy in the first round. That's just how the committee will do it. And, you know, they'll they'll put Kentucky against Purdue, Duke, they'll you know, LeBron James and Cleveland Cavs. I mean, that's just how they that's just how they play Kentucky. So And I completely agree with that. So we're going to keep with that one question for just one more second. What do you? How do you think the SEC is going to do on Saturday against all these Big Twelve teams? I mean, you got a lot of interesting matchups: Vandy, TCU, A and M at Kansas. I mean, Oklahoma and uh, Alabama play. How do you think the SEC is going to fare? I think the SEC is going to surprise some people. I think they're going to realize just how good some of these teams are. You know, realize how good Auburn really is, and Alabama and A and M. Now that they're at full strength again, Florida. Kentucky might be the one team that actually loses on Saturday, but the rest of the teams I, I feel pretty good about. I mean, there's some there's some really good back Georgia and South Carolina. They, they they can beat anybody on a given night. You know, yeah. they got the, the ability. So 
Well, I'll be anxious to see how, how it pays out, but I think the SEC will win overall, even though Kentucky might be one of the losses. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. So, next question up. You know, you're Kentucky Sports Radio, whatever, and I know you've got a lot of cool memories with these guys. So first thing is, why Kentucky Sports Radio? And then what is your favorite memory with KSR, whether that's, you know, when Matt Jones, Drew, Miss Tyler, or any of the others? That's a good question. Do you want to how I got started at KSR? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I was a, a long-time uh, TV sports anchor here in Lexington. I worked at the NBC affiliate WLEX for about 12 years. And uh, got remarried, had a couple kids, and realized, I mean, I just need to be a dad for a while. I just, you know, you can't be a dad the way I wanted to be and work till midnight every night at the TV station. So I got out of the business and became a realtor. But while I was a realtor, I was kind of doing part-time radio stuff. I was just like a fill-in guy. With here in Lexington, one of the radio hosts were going to be gone or on vacation. I'd be the fill-in guy. Well, Matt just called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, can you fill in for Mark Krebs? Mark Krebs was doing, like, Mondays and Tuesdays with me. I'm like, yeah, I can come in and, and fill in that day. Well, within a week or so, Mark Krebs left the show completely. So Matt said, man, would you do Mondays and Tuesdays? I'm like, yeah, I could do Mondays and Tuesdays. Aaron Johnson was doing Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I'm not kidding you. About a week or two later, he left the show. So Matt's like, can you do... Monday through Thursday, because Drew Franklin was doing Fridays with him. I'm like, yeah. So within a month, month and a half, I went from being a fill-in guy to doing Monday through Thursday. And then shortly after that, we were got on here in Lexington, made the decision that I'd just start doing Monday through Friday, because I live here in Lexington, and I'm obviously, you know, been here a long time doing media stuff. And that just kind of how it took off. And then once once we got on the air here in Lexington, that's when, like, all the stations across the state started picking it up. Like, we're on, like, 37 stations now, maybe something like that. Not, we're not on in Memphis, but you can still listen to us on iHeart. <laughs> yeah, iHeart Radio is like... That's kind of how it happens. <laughs> iHeart Radio is actually my best friend. Sometimes, you know, when I'm traveling, you know, covering uh, various other games or whatever, I'll listen to the Kentucky game coming back or, you know, whatever. So iHeart Radio is like my best friend right now. So what is your favorite KSR memory, you know, either with Matt Jones, Drew Franklin, or Miss Tyler Thompson? That, that's, that's a great question. I had to think about it for a minute. After Kentucky won the championship in 2012 uh, down in New Orleans, uh, I didn't I didn't go to the Final Four. There was spring break this week. My parents were in, so they they Matt and Drew and all went down there, and I stayed here, kind of anchored all the radio shows from here. And the next morning on KSR, after they won it on Monday night, we did this KSR on Tuesday morning. I'm here, and Matt and Drew are down in New Orleans getting ready to drive back. The last caller of the day called in and it was an older guy and he started talking about how much Kentucky basketball means to him and his family and he grew up and his best memories of his dad uh, were listening to Kaywood call the games and now that he's passed but now he listens to his, with his son and his grandson and he started literally bawling on the air and I just remember at that moment thinking you know this is what it's all about this is what Kentucky basketball means to all of us and this is how it affects us, and it's been my favorite caller. I got goosebumps now just thinking about it because he he was in tears. He had me in tears, but I think he epitomized perfectly exactly what Kentucky basketball means, what it means to be a Kentucky basketball fan. Yeah, and that, that's probably my favorite memory. 
you know, and you talking about that kind of gives me chills, you know, as well, because like you said, that is Kentucky basketball. I mean, you know, we get, you know, as a family, we have a big family or whatever, and we get anybody from our 94-year-old grandmother to my little five-year-old cousins, and we get together and we watch Kentucky basketball. And, you know, we have all the good food, and everybody's in their blue and white, whatever. And, you know, like you said, that is Kentucky basketball. You know, that's our March tradition, and that is Kentucky basketball, and that is what what it symbolizes to be a Kentucky fan. And, you know, having having this podcast and writing SEC stuff – you know, I am objective or whatever. I'll call you know call a spade a spade. But it's also when you look back and you go, you know, man, this is kind of cool. I actually covered my first Kentucky game uh, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago at Vanderbilt. So that was that was really neat as well. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, what is your favorite Coach Cal mo- memory, by the way, and in your favorite moment with Coach Cal? <laughs> <laughs> you may be surprised to hear my answer, but my favorite Coach Cal memory has nothing to do with basketball. He had a charity softball game at Winter Bank Ballpark, our minor league baseball park here in Lexington. And he invited a lot of his you know, former players and celebrities to come and play in this charity softball game in front of a big crowd. Invited Matt and I to come and play. He put Matt on one team and me on the other. Well, my team was coached by Coach Cal. He was my coach. And Matt was pitching. And I hit a home run. I crushed it. Hit a home run over the fence. And the umpire called it foul. Coach Cal, after the game, the next day he called in the radio show to argue how that was a home run, and I hit it off mat, and just, you know, he, he took my side. We, we, we were coach and player going to bat. My, my coach is going to bat for me, and uh, that, that's my favorite Coach Cal because he had a lot of fun with it, and the main thing was he was giving Matt such a hard time riding him down the road about it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so what is your favorite all-time Kentucky basketball game? that you've either covered or and also your favorite player as a, as a Kentucky fan, your all-time favorite player? Well, I, I've, I've always answered that question by saying Walter McCarty. And just because Walter's from Evansville, Indiana, uh, I was working in TV in Evansville, Indiana, so I, I knew Walter as a, as a high school kid. And I gave him actually his first ever TV interview. He was a sophomore in high school. He came to Lexington a couple years before I did, before I got the job and came over here. I've always said Walter. Walter's always been good to me over the years. Always, you know, gives me a smile and a hug when I see him. So I know he's kind of old school, but Walter's definitely my favorite. Now, if you ask my wife, it's Tony Delk. My wife would believe me today for Tony Delk. There's no doubt about it. Tony Delk is her, her favorite player. And my favorite game, you know, I, I've been lucky. You know, I got to go to the 96 National Championship game in New York, and I got to go to the 98 National Championship game in San Antonio. I didn't go to 2012, but my favorite game is San Antonio, the 98 National Championship game. Those, you know, Nobody knew those guys were going to go on a run. Nobody knew they would ever be there cutting down the nets at the end of the season. But that, that was just a, such, such a good group of guys. Cameron Mills, Jeff Shepard, Alan Edwards, Scott Padgett, Wayne Turner, Nazi Muhammad, Jamal McGlore. That, 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 that's, that's my favorite team. They weren't the best team, but that was my favorite team. And when they won that last game on Tubby's first year, that's my favorite game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was only two years old during that. I was actually born right after the 96 championship. So I didn't get to experience all those great teams or whatever. So my favorite team would probably be 2012 um, and also 2015 with uh, Booker and Eulis. I love Tyler Eulis. Uh, him and Josh Harrelson, all-time favorite players by far. Um, just love the love the heart that those guys played with, you know, and the – 
and so and, and, as long, and also Jared Polson. Jared Polson, um, just because he's a Kentucky kid. I mean, Jay, uh, Polson came from you know uh, West Jessamy and just worked his butt off, and you know became a starter and became you know a really good player as well. So uh, those three players for me. So last last question: What are you most excited about heading into the month of February? And with the Cats, what do you expect to see? Well, we're going to take some losses. Like I said, they're going to lose a couple of these games. They're tough. Versus February is going to be a tough month. But I think it's just going to help them continue to grow. Because, you know, at this point, it's all about getting to March and trying to make, make some noise in March. And I think Calipari's teams always seem to be playing their best in March. And I think this is a team that's going to continue to just grow and learn. And when March rolls around, you know, we're going to be able to surprise somebody and maybe, maybe make a run. So, I, like I said, we're, I'll worry about our fan base because they're already kind of cynical right now since we've lost a couple games. They're going to lose a couple more. We just got to hope the face and, and hope they keep getting better. And, uh, you know, give us, give us Duke in that NCAA tournament. We can smack them down. Bring them on. I, I, would, I would love to play Duke. I don't know if we'd beat them, but I would love to have the shot at Coach K and kind of prove everybody wrong as well. So we thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show, Mr. Ryan Lemon. You're welcome on any time. Would love to have you uh, closer to SEC tournament time to preview the SEC tournament if you'd like. Mitch, call anytime. Glad to do it, and good luck with your career down there in Memphis. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Have a great day, and go Cats. All right, see you, brother. We're we're joined live by Mr. Kyle Tucker. Mr. Kyle Tucker, how are you doing? Oh, it's a great pleasure to have you. Big fan of yours. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, sir. We are going to jump right in. I know you're a busy guy. So what do you think the Kentucky – what do you think the problem with Kentucky is? I know they won last night, but what is the kind of problem you've been seeing with Kentucky basketball so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. If it's, uh, if it's anything unusual other than the fact that this is, this is the youngest team by far that Cal has had, even younger than the, the 2014 team. Um, you know, I think part of it is that last night was, what, the second game of the entire year where they've even been close to full strength, and they're still not even full strength. Uh, Ty Winger didn't play. Jamal Baker hasn't played all season. But they did have Vanderbilt back for the third game, uh, and they had Quanty Green back for the second game. Neither of those guys are really in full form yet. Uh, and, and, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's not fully conditioned. Uh, Quanty Green... You know, I think he looks like he's still struggling to come back from that back injury. Um, but to me, so to me, it's just a, it's a matter of, uh, of experience of youth of not of the, the core group of guys not being together for the entire season. Um, you know, they could use a little more shooting. I thought they had that in Jamal Baker, uh, one of the top high school shooters in the country, and he's just not been available because of the injury. Uh, I think they could use, uh, you know, a little more in the way of skilled guards uh, where they're heavy on six foot nine guys that are uh, kind of almost in between positions um, but you know to me it, it really mostly boils down to just the fact that you know as of last night they were playing seven freshmen and two sophomores and that's uh, you know and only one of those sophomores having played any real minutes before this year um, that's not usually a recipe for anybody to succeed and when you don't have transcendent level player among those freshmen and Anthony Davis or Carl Towns or John Wall and Marcus Cousins when you don't have one of those guys and you're that young you're just going to struggle yes sir and you know you mentioned Jamel Baker do you think he's going to play at all this year uh, I, I do not right now I mean that's not that anyone's confirmed that but Cal Perry's saying uh, 
here not close to coming back uh, at this point. I mean, you've only got um, 11 uh, regular season games left. And uh, if you're not even close to really coming back to practice, you're probably even further, much further from coming back and playing a game that at some point it's not worth you know, burning a year just to see if maybe you can help. So, uh, you know, no, I don't, I, I, at this point I'm not really expecting to see Yes, sir. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you a recruiting question and then we're going to get into the West Virginia matchup a little bit. So, you know, Duke, Duke Blue Devils have been kind of kicking Kentucky's butt a little bit since 2015, since that final four. Do you think, what is the, what has been the turning point for Kentucky and Duke a little bit? Kind of take, come into that a little bit in your opinion on that. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure what it is that has turned the tide. I mean, in, in, in Cal Perry's first, I think it was first recruiting classes, Kentucky had 15 uh, top 10 signees, and Duke had three in that same span, and now it's uh, almost completely reversed in the last three classes. Duke has, I think, eight or nine top 10 guys and five or six uh, top five guys, and Kentucky has no top five players, um, and only, uh, I think, three uh, top 10 players in that time, so um, it, it is... Um, pretty much a flip, I mean, a total uh, 180 from from the early Cal years at Kentucky to now. Uh, I think Jeff Capel's had a big big hand in that. He's really ratcheted up the recruiting for uh, Krzyzewski, and they have successfully sold themselves as kind of a hit program. Um, you know, and maybe it's as simple as Calipari, uh, you know, getting a little fat and happy where he was the king of college basketball recruiting and, and you know, got really selective and they, they got to the point where in recent years they weren't putting a lot of offers out and they were making some kids wait, you know, almost like you've got to come to us, we're not going to come to you, you've got to want to play here, and I get that mentality. But, uh, you know, I do think that the very top players want to be wooed. And, and um, you know, Cal was a little lied to him, and, you know, Trey Young's an example. He straight up told him and his dad, you can't come here and shoot it 30 times a game. And he didn't. He went to Oklahoma and he shooting it 30 times in some games. And uh, almost 40 shots, I think, the other night. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's worked out fine for him. But I don't know that that would have been a fit at Kentucky. So uh, you can respect that he's honest with these guys, but at some point you may need to tweak the message a little bit because clearly Duke is doing something uh, that the very best players like uh, better than what, what is being offered at Kentucky. And, you know, that kind of leads into the next question a little bit. What do you, what do you think is more important, winning a national championship or sending pro you know sending guys to the pros and what have you you know whether that be the G League now or the actual NBA and we see a lot of Kentucky guys that probably don't need to be going like Isaiah Briscoe for name name one um, for example you know kind of take sense of that and what's your what's your hot take on that? Well, I mean, guys like Isaiah Briscoe and, and Humphreys who went uh, Isaac Humphreys who decided to turn pro but go play. Uh, overseas and Dakar Johnson a couple of years ago and even Marcus Teague. I mean, there have been those guys and it's not like, I think there's this perception that Kyle Perry is pushing them out the door after a year or two and that's just not the case. He didn't want those guys to leave. Uh, he would have loved to have had Isaac Humphreys back and Isaiah Briscoe. Uh, he really wanted Dakar Johnson back. He thought he could have been a difference maker in that 2016 season when they had a 
part. But it certainly wasn't a case where Cal wanted him to go. Uh, he thought he was getting a multiple-year guy in Devin Booker. And, you know, the guy just was so good by the time he left Kentucky that he was a lottery pick. And, and we may be seeing the exact same thing with Shane Gilgis Alexander, but I don't think Cal is just exclusively recruited guys that he knew off the top were going to be gone after one year. I think he's tried to build a roster that staggers some experience. He said his best teams have a mix of experience and talent. Charles Matthews was a guy that he thought would be, you know, a terrific player by the time he was a junior at Kentucky. Instead, he's a redshirt sophomore at Michigan and starting for them because he couldn't wait. Marcus Lee transferred out to um, to California. Kyle Wilcher did uh, I, I went two years in uh, Lexington and, and went to Gonzaga and became a you know an All American. Um, so he's had plenty of guys that, that the plan was for them to stick around and be better and key pieces, and they just didn't do it. Uh, in terms of your initial part of that question, what's more important? Uh, I think they're both important. I think you know if you're getting the best players every year, you're in contention for a national title every year, and I think that's what people overlook. Cal's been to six Elite Eights in eight years. If you're in the Elite Eight, you're a national title contender. So in six of eight years, Kentucky has been in the mix going into the last week and a half of the season as a national title contender. Four of those years, they were in the Final Four. Two of them, they played for the title, and they obviously won it in 2012. So by getting the best players, NBA-level players, uh, every year, you're a contender almost every year, and you're going to have some ups and downs and dips as they've had. Uh, but but by the end of almost every season he's been here, Kentucky is a national title contender and was last year, was in the Elite Eight uh, and was a, a buzzer beater away from going to the Final Four where they, had they beaten North Carolina, they would have been the best team at the Final Four last year and had a, a really good chance to win it all again. So, um, you know, I, I understand some frustration uh, about the way Cal is, is building rosters, but I don't think it's uh, a totally fair criticism. Yes, sir. So we're going to change gears this uh, this now. We uh, you know Kentucky plays West Virginia this week, and the SEC has a big week with the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Take us into what you think, what the preview for the Kentucky West Virginia game. Kind of give us a couple points, and uh, if you want to give us a prediction, and also talk a little bit of how do you think the SEC is going to fare against the Big Twelve this weekend? Yeah, it's going to be a really good, interesting test. Uh, the Big Twelve has been a really good league this year with some teams, you know, like Texas. Oklahoma rising up a little bit, although uh, most of those teams have taken a couple steps back here lately, but some, some teams other than Kansas have kind of risen up, West Virginia being one of them, Oklahoma. Uh, and, and this SEC looks like it's a deep as it's been a long time, uh, as I think some people feared. SEC teams kind of starting to cannibalize each other a little bit. Texas A&M took a, a loss. Uh, to LSU, and that's good for LSU, but that LSU was a bit not hardly even a bubble team. Uh, and, and, you know, Texas A&M was the team that made the most A in the non-conference and is now, I think, 2-6 in the league. Um, you know, there were a couple, uh, there have been a, a handful of results like that where the teams that the league kind of needed to uh, separate themselves are losing to teams in the bottom half of the league, but maybe that's just an, a demonstration of how the SEC has gotten this year. You've got you know, Auburn making a move and uh, some other programs like that. Um, we're going to find out. I mean, this is uh, because the league has, has cannibalized itself a little bit here in replay. Uh, it's really important to back up what happened in the conference with a good show 
victory for them would be just going in there and playing toe-to-toe with West Virginia all the way to the end, kind of win or lose. Because I, I, it would be very impressive if they do pull off the win. I don't expect them to. Uh, but I think even if they can just go in there and compete uh, and not get run off the floor in Morgantown, it bodes well kind of going towards March. Because one thing I always point out, uh, when when Kentucky teams struggle on the road and inevitably as they're young, uh, there are no road games in the NCAA tournament for anybody, and especially not Kentucky, because uh, any kind of neutral, you know, quote-unquote neutral court they play on the, during the tournament, almost always they'll have more of their own fans. So uh, if you're just competitive in road games uh, and learn some lessons in road games, you don't have to play in road games in the You know, and we got one more SEC question for you. You know, how, how many teams do you think the SEC is going to get in the NCAA tournament? And which one of those teams or two teams do you see making a run that could make a run all the way to the Final Four and even cut down the nets? Well, I mean, Texas Tech, I'm sorry, Texas a may be the most talented team, but they, uh, they continue to battle me with some of these losses. Um, maybe if they can put it together by the end, that team that uh, can challenge, I, I thought from before the season still do, uh, that uh, Florida was the best team in the league, and especially when they get a booted back, they've got the best backcourt in the conference. Uh, they've been missing an inside presence, but they have a good one if a big booter comes back. I think he's been practicing for a week or two now. Uh, if he comes back strong, that changes them as well. Uh, I like Florida in the, in the postseason. I like Mike White as a coach. I, I think they've got a shot. In um, Auburn, I'm curious to see just how, how it goes for Auburn moving forward. They had the 14 game winning streak, and they lost to Alabama without Colin Sexton. Um, so I don't know what to make of that. Um, you know, Alabama is a team that, on a given night, with, you know, when Colin Sexton's healthy and some of the other pieces they have, and uh, Avery Johnson at the helm, you know, I think they're, they can compete with and threaten anybody. So. Uh, I guess those would be the teams I'm kind of looking at. I mean, I think all year it's been all steady in most practicology. It's eight or nine teams for the SEC. I'd actually still kind of be surprised if they get that many in just because some teams are beating up on each other. Uh, I could see six or seven, and that would be a huge, uh, a huge number for this league that for several years in a row is at three, four teams max going to the SEC or NCAA tournament. I think they got five last year and ended up with three in the Elite Eight. Uh, if Vanderbilt hadn't squandered its game, uh, every team that got in from the SEC would have advanced at least one round. And, uh, and I think they've only built on that in terms of perception this year. Yes, sir. And so you cover Kentucky and everything. So I was going to ask you, what is your favorite Coach Cal memory? And what is your favorite Coach Cal kind of moment and Kentucky basketball moment as well? Um, uh, Coach Cal moment. Um, I don't know. I think it would be a collection of moments, all of his uh, goofy when he goes into uh, animal sounds or character voices when he's trying to make his points. Uh, those are always pretty amusing. Uh, Coach Cal press conferences are uh, rarely boring. Um, he always finds some kind of message to hammer that we're all going to need to write about as soon as he finishes talking. Um, and, you, you know, you appreciate that. As a writer, you appreciate having uh, a guy who's always staying in the headlines because it's, uh, it's good for business. Uh, you know, I, I think the most fun, uh, the most fun ride, I guess, that, uh, that I've been on following Kentucky uh, basketball was probably that, uh, that 2014 tournament, just because it was so unexpected. I mean, uh, the 
Bob Pyle team was the best team all year. Anthony Davis was a four-guy conclusion that he was going to be national player of the year. It would have been a huge shock if they didn't win. They were just so much better. Uh, it's a rare year where it was clear from day one who was going to win it all. Um, and that was fun. And it was really, really cool to cover a national championship. It was my first season covering Kentucky. Uh, I liked the guys on that team. Uh, Michael Kitt Gilchrist remains one of my favorite people I've ever covered because he's just a good human being who uh, tried really hard to interact with us even though he was dealing with a speech impediment and he worked really hard to overcome it. Uh, respected him a lot. Um, and the almost undefeated team was really fun because it started with an eight-day trip to the Bahamas with those exhibition games that I got to go and do that. And, uh, and that was a fun start to a year that was uh, almost historic, 38 now going into the Final Four, and that was neat. Uh, but that, that 2014 uh, run to the National Championship game was just so unexpected. Um, the other two teams I talked about, everybody knew that was the best team in the country. Uh, in 2014, uh, there was all this 40-0 talk, and then they completely fell apart. They had 10 losses going into the NCAA tournament as an eight seed and had just a, an absolutely brutal pass. Uh, number one undefeated, uh, Wichita State, uh, you know, Louisville, uh, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin. It was just uh, nobody expected uh, them to maybe even get out of the first weekend, and they went all the way through, and then the way they did it with uh, a classic, just an absolute instant classic game against Wichita State, and then three straight decisive three-pointers in the final seconds from Aaron Harrison in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight and Final Four. Um, that was a, just a really fun uh, tournament run because at, at every turn it was just like, I, I can't believe they did that again kind of moment. Some of their personalities came out. Uh, it, was, it was a good time. Yes, sir. So we get to the last question here. What are you most excited about about Kentucky basketball and the SEC as a whole heading into February and heading into the SEC tournament? And what do you expect to see well, off that? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be – I'm excited to see how this – SEC season finishes up and, and there are some great matchups down the stretch. Uh, there should be some high-level games and I would I would guess that the SEC tournament will be a war. Uh, there aren't going to be very many big walks in any of the rounds. Uh, I think whoever gets the SEC title game will have uh, helped. It's, that's the thing, too. This year, the SEC tournament might matter come Selection Sunday because you, you may have beaten two or three really good teams just to you know, to advance in the SEC tournament. I think whoever wins it will have added two, two or three quality wins to their resume made by winning 
Yes, sir. Well, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure. You're welcome on anytime you want to come on. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, sir. Have a great day.